from the Jingweeds podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Southwest Turf Support. Southwest Turf Support provides golf courses and professional sports fields with the highest quality products and services. Southwest Turf Support is based out of Phoenix, Arizona. They also take care of Nevada, Southern California, and also New Mexico. Make sure you go to www.swturfsupport.com where you can see a full lineup of their products they distribute and also an area where you can meet their agronomic team. Southwest Turf Support is also going to be one of our key sponsors for the next Suds and Super event down in Tucson on June 14th at Borderland Brewing Company. If you're in the area, why don't you come join us? You can meet most of the guys there. Thanks again, Southwest Turf Support, for your continued sponsorship of From the Jingweeds podcast. Later. Stay pissed, everybody. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 101 of From the Jingweeds. We made it this fucking far, and we brought in a guest because Dan at the bail, Mark Stutzman, works with Simplot up in the Reno area. The Jingweed boys, four horsemen, are coming to whip your group's ass, for sure, August 29th through like the September 1st area. We're coming. Hey buddy, how are you? doing thank you good, for sitting good. thank you for sitting in on this this was a uh kind of i need a i need somebody we need to we need to keep this thing going so i knew that you'd be available and here we are <laughs> pretty much any time um i'm kind of not really digging the jersey right now though oh the bird jersey well yeah, it's uh exactly. you asked the- me hey mark can you come on and do this thing with me you're like yeah man no problem when are you thinking i'm like I don't know, maybe like this afternoon. The whole time I'm thinking, five o'clock at the Celtics game. This will be perfect. I got it on the TV. So if you start talking some shit that I can't even really pay attention to, I can at least stare up at this thing. I'm um, doing the same thing. So are you a Warriors fan? Not necessarily a Warriors fan, but I was born in the Bay. Right. So That's definitely what I, bandwagon, bandwagon. So I don't really have a team. Never you, had a hoop team ever. Not even the Kings? Bandwagon. You didn't just jump on the Kings when you were a kid? Or how were you? You must have been a fan during the uh, CMT days, right? Yeah, for sure. They were definitely good. Tim Hardaway was really good back in the day. That was really, really, really uh, Chris good. Mullen. And then even Mitch Richmond, Mitch Richmond for the Kings was really good for a while. So that team was solid, but uh, it's been horrible. Chris Weber playing yeah. for both of them? They, they never were good enough to do anything, mm-hmm. you know? They never were until this new squad came in, you know, came about. Yeah, Weber needed, Weber needed a, uh, well, actually they did. I mean, who else was on that team? With With Weber? Weber? Yeah. It was the Divac. No, no, that's, Latrell. That's Kings. Yeah. Latrell Spreewell. Fool had spinners on his high tops. (laughs) Okay. If you're, I mean, that guy made a bazillion dollars. Playing basketball, yeah. like, and he choked his coach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he made a bazillion dollars playing basketball. Like he was one of the first big steps. But anyway, what's going on? How's the uh, how's the world of the Reno area in the golf business? Uh, it's, fin- it's finally starting to kick in. 
we are getting growth. We are seeing temperatures finally kick up. For some reason, we cannot get away from wind. We've had windy days like at least half the week every week. But we're hoping that when the temperatures rise, what wind will go away a little bit. But um, we're finally getting cranky. And I mean, we actually had a little bit of rain for a minute this morning, which was a little odd. Um, quick, nothing, nothing much. But nighttime lows are getting into the 50s. We'll get into 90s later in the week. So grass is definitely kicking. Business has been very busy. This is just around that time where everybody, you know, is growing and moving. And next week is when school gets out. So the golf courses for sure will be getting busy. That was going to be a question that I asked is, what are you seeing as far as your continuation of the growth of the game? Do you still see it on this steady, I guess I would say leveling out? Like we got them all. They're all in, and they're still there. There's no more, like, major growth at this point. It's just kind of, all right, if we can contain here, I think we'd all be super pumped about it. But with, uh, I, you know, disposable income things, you buy a bag of fucking carrots at the grocery store, and it's no longer what it was. Well, you know, well, never cool. mind the fuel to get it your rig to the say, place what's your, right what's your gas price as it sits outside your house right uh now? 537 so we're at uh, we're at 587 590 so we're always a little bit higher being you know there but i would say the best about, way to look at this is go ahead what about the trucky area just north of oh here. that's probably seven yeah and that's yeah, what I mean, 50 I, I, miles I, away less than that yeah yeah for sure but i think I think golf is like not as good, obviously not as big as COVID, but steady for the year after COVID, right? So like 2021, we're all seeing about those same numbers. Now, I'm hearing that people, you know, most of the public courses are just busy, right? You talk to them or what have you. I actually have to put together a um, landscape event in August and we were going through the dates and like, okay, what can we do? What can we have? And there was... There was very few, few dates that were available into, you know, August and, and all that, you know, mess. So it's it's definitely. So you think de- you think that that problem. was you think that was scheduled, like last year? No, no. I think I mean we get a lot of tournament stuff, obviously, because of the you know people come, come fly in and they come with groups. But no, it's it's been pretty consistent. Um, I mean, what have you guys seen where you're at? As far I mean, as have you seen, I've seen well, like then, drop because of summer. No, we're a little bit higher um, than last year, as far as May was, and that's you know like we say down here for a public course it, for sure where I am in the retirement corner of the cul-de-sac of the valley. Um, Easter is the cutoff day, so okay. what we're hoping is we start to see the May June. Kind of, you hope to July, but July, you know, we're trying to close that window here where we really suck balls. And now we're getting into the fucking July area. Right. And if you can still get those people traveling from the valley to come to your course into May, into June, it's like, all right, this is where we see, I think, our growth. Because during season, we're just the public course of the valley. Or, uh, sorry, of the cul-de-sac. So we get them all, and it's tough to gauge. So you see this growth at this time, and you're like, all right, it's still doing, you know, it's still on the, 
I like I said, the leveling out plane of this is where I think golf is today. It's reached its peak. It kind of follows the housing market, like disposable income things follow that flow of the economy, right? right. I think with gas prices, it, there's no way it can last. Because as a golf course, I think, or as a business, whatever it is, your tint windows, your fucking fixing dents in the fucking side of cars, or you're landscaping people's houses. At some point, the cost of that goes through the roof to the consumer. Mm -hmm. So where do these people decide? Are they going to buy that bag of fucking organic carrots that they got along with and they buy in soybeans? They're going to get their fucking grass-fed meat? Or are they going back to fucking pigeon food where it's like, yeah, it's the fucking whatever part of the meat that stuff's ground down to whatever you can make burgers or pretend it's right. sausage right. and then you get the chemically enhanced little baby carrots that are cut identical <laughs> every one of them you've and no right. one has no one's ever seen a carrot like that in their life but we all right. buy them right or Some, the, or something the, ain't fucking right and they're cheap or or, or I- I always joke with a buddy of mine that the chicken breasts that are so big that there's no way that chicken has ever been that large in its life. Like you don't, you never knew chickens could be this big, right? Yeah. Like you're like, where did that come from? You ever seen is that, that a turkey? You ever seen the chicken? documentary where they, you know, what is free range shit versus? No. Oh no. yeah, it's, I think it's on Netflix, and I have no idea what the name of it is, but I'm sure you can. It's about the poultry industry, and it's. What needs to be free ranged is like a six by six little gate that goes outside. All it has to do is have an open door and like a little six by six gate that 3,000 little chicklins can walk outside this little area technically. But no one goes there because it's fucking so goddamn small. But they live. Right. Oh, fuck. It's horrible. But, and they fill them full of shit and they have. These huge bodies that can't, even, their little legs can't support them because they grow them right. so fast. And yep. we're just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> you know, Chick fil A is unreal. You know, Chick fil A, it's the best. Yep. Not open yep. on Sundays because of religious reasons. Right. But right. they're the best. Right. <laughs> you know? Oh, for sure. I, I, I mean, so. Oh, back to the golf thing. I, I help out two uh, courses out here, a nine-hole course and an 18-hole course that um, are always strapped for cash, right? They're just not – they're barely surviving. Um, one's, um, one's a $45 golf course with a cart all day, like peak time. And the other one's 18 bucks or nine holes, all all uh, par threes, pitch and putt, which actually probably has some of the best greens in town, but the rest of it is grown on a salt flat, so it's just whatever grows, grows. I tell the owner all the time, if it's a weed and you can mow it, we're good. Like, we're not trying oh, to kill it. Yeah. We'll take green. Like, whatever green comes up is good. Desert Canyon gets $185 in the season this year in that <coughs> same philosophy. But what we've seen is, like, you get this, and I, I don't know if this is the same. Get the morning rush, right? The 7 to 9, the, the old, retired Social Security. Here we go. Here we are, right? We're playing golf. And then, like, you get this lull from, like, 10 to 2. And then guys get off work, and from 3 on is just 
packed. And especially at the one in Carson City, he will tell me, the pro will tell me because I go talk to him, he's a good friend of mine, they'll have 25 people on the books and they'll finish the day with 110. And I'm like, so you have freaking 85 walk-ins? He's like, yeah, 85 people walked in. He's like, so how do you, and he goes, and so for me, how do I plan that, right? Staff, whatever, I got 25 on the books. Okay, we're not going to need this guy. And then all of a sudden, boom, just influx and everybody's running around and carts are broke and this is that and selling beers and it's just like, oh my God, what happened? So, I think, I think to your disposable income part, I think people are still going to find it, but I definitely agree that it has plateaued for where it is. But then there's other places that are, you know, still printing money. I mean, I just had lunch with Edgewood superintendent. He's he's 210 people deep at 350 oh. every day. Can't 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 beat them away with a stick. There's a couple of them out here that are are that much and more. And it hasn't stopped. I'm just wondering when. Where's this shit come from? I I don't. And I that's don't a, know. And, and that's the same fucking answer I hear from everybody or anybody talks about this. Is like I have no idea mm-hmm. where this is coming from. Mm-mm. And so one of your friends or two of your friends are full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You know what I mean? Right. They're fucking right. full of shit. Because right. they either have a jackpot somewhere, or they're just there's a a name or a game to the system. Something there's a lot of money out there, and people are crying well, about that. a lot of shit. But we see this disposable income thing is like they're just pissing money away. I paid. I don't, and I say this because I'm in the industry, but you know that's part of the deal. Is you play golf for nothing. You hook each right. other up. You go and play with right. the guys, whatever. Well, we played men's club today at GCU. And I paid with our game and a cart, it was 80 bucks. So I think 25 of it goes to the game or 20 of it goes to the game, probably 10 to the cart. So you get a fucking $40 round. Okay. The greens are awesome. They sprayed it out. They're doing the right thing. They're fucking doing a lot of work there. They're actually blowing up, I believe, the maintenance shop tomorrow, which is great. You know, you see this, you know, things that are going on. I think they're going to close for a few days. It's it's fucking really good. And for $40, $40 to the regular guy, it's an awesome, awesome deal. And I shot 75 Oh. <gasps> 33 on the thirty three on the back, Stutzman. Little, is that three under or two under? Uh, three under. 42-33, is that good? You're going to officially, for the Jingweed thing, you're going to have to start posting scores with me to make it official. No, I I carry a legit... 7.8 handicap or some bullshit. I carry a legit gin handicap. I post everything. We uh, had a little hack hack attack this week, and only six of us went from the Valley up to Prescott, and we played Talking Rock. Um, How was that? That place is awesome. They redid the bunkers. Um, they did the front nine last year, and they finished up the back nine this year. And it's just a better sand, and then there's a few of them that went away, a little bit different, uh, more maintainable kind of thing. Right. Um, they had some big ones on the backs. Well, like, they have big ones. They have big ones. I wish that they said that about me other than my tits. 
<laughs> they have big ones. Well, yeah, sure. it was, uh, and things are in the right spot. You know, I hit a lot of fairway bunkers. It was like, I probably should have not taken that on. That's a, to me, that's a good golf course. Things are in the right position from the right tee that you're playing. If I hit one good, I carried it. If I hit one like shit, I was probably, it was challenging me. Uh, first time I've played, I've probably played that place five times. Um, nice to play on a 80 degree day and in that situation, no wind. I would call that no wind. It was breezy, but it was no wind. But back to what you said before, we keep thinking that this year is the windiest spring we've ever had. I can't remember, you know, picking up as much shit or just seeing it dry out as fast as it is. I mean, it's great for playing conditions. Firm, fast. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we have seen it blow. I mean, it always blows in the afternoon, you know, 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock, right? You always get that a little bit, but, like, to wake up in the morning and see it blowing has been a little a little nuts. Um, it, it, like, right now, we're easily 15 to 20 outside the house as it sits right now. And the kids actually playing in a tournament in at Spencer's old stopping grounds, old Genoa down there. And I was asking mom, "How's he doing? Horrible. Just windy as heck. Like you know, it's just it's not a good day for any of these kids. So everybody's just kind of like, okay, chalking it up as all right. I guess we played in you know wind today. Do you get uh, certain seasons that you or certain times of the year like you know it's going to be windy from you know February to whenever, or is it just come and go? comes and goes but i would say spring obviously is just kind of like that change of season and then once it it seems like once it gets closer to triple digits is when we start to see the wind die down as it gets hotter the wind starts to kind of subside but for some reason this year it has been windy a lot now we have been lucky in that we haven't seen that immediate heat a lot of times we'll just like turn the switch and all of a sudden it's like oh look it's 95 we have gradually made our steps of like you know we're at 70 we're at 75 we're at 80, we're at 85, and so that's been nice. I mean, most of the golf courses in the area, I'd say 95% of them are in pretty good shape, and it's, you know, a traditional spring to temperature. The wind's been crazy, and I agree with you. We're, we're desiccating a lot faster. Um, you know, there's guys out with TDRs and hand, hand water hoses a lot quicker than normal, but um, it, it's, it's okay. But, I mean, we're just all hoping that once that – you know, basically, once that temp starts to pick up, then that wind starts to die down. Um, but it's it's really hindering a lot of the guys' ability to, like, spray. I've had some guys call me and be like, I got to push back the spray. I got to push back the spray and, you know, delivering product. They're like, ah, we don't need it. It's going to be, you know, 30-mile-an-hour wind. We won't spray for three days. And so we've seen some wind kind of crazy. So it's, it's, it's kind of... It's kind of nice in a way to see you guys have seen the same thing. It's not just to our area. It's kind of, you know, all the way out west to, to that. But, yeah, we've, I guess just wind in the beginning in the morning is what's kind of more shocking. We all know about the afternoon, but, you know, you wake up in the morning and you, you go out to the golf course and you see that the flag is already just, you know, whipping. You're like, okay, it's, it's 630 in the morning. What are we doing here, you know? So, but. Um, well, let's get back on the Celtics run since you got the jersey on. How excited were you about game one win? Um, I was pretty, I guess, I don't know. I think anybody that knows my feelings is the NBA and me 
are still no matter what. I'm at a crossroads, let's say. Okay. I don't understand the nonsense of why this game isn't as physical as it should be. I don't think it should be hockey. I'm not asking for the fights, but I'm asking for the smallest fucking dude on this court is 6'6", six, 6'4", six, six, with a wingspan of a seven-footer, okay? Most of them are that big or plus. The court size hasn't changed since the game was developed when there was one dude that was 6'10". The rest were 6'3", 6'1", 6'5", was a big guy, you know, when the game was developed. And to take away the physical play now when the guys are bigger than what it started out to be, I think is a detriment to the game. So it drives me crazy on that. There should be the goon, the guy that sits down in the paint and is able to fucking waste his six on some... The, it doesn't the, have to be the, malicious. It has to be a half. It has to be going a hard foul yeah. after the ball, right. make a play on it, a legit thing, but not worry about getting kicked out of the fucking game right. for this stupidest shit. That's your area. Let me defend right. that. So I, yay, I'm still, it's hard for me to really be like, yeah, the NBA, but now I'm like, sweet, this is fucking cool. I mean, I wear. A Bird jersey, a Havlicek jersey, and a Russell jersey. You can ask my wife five out of the seven days a week. Right now, because the weather, the, it is the way it is. Just sporting the <laughs> fucking, sporting the jersey. And this has gone on for years. So, so you want you want the, you want want the Rick Mahorn back. You want Bill Lambeer back. You want the guys that are going to... I want Robert Parrish. I want Kevin you McHale. Want I want Larry Bird. I want Danny Ainge. And I want Dennis Johnson. That's what I want. And I want fucking Bill Walton coming off the bench. I want Cedric Mal- Maxwell out there. I want guys... That, yeah, and I want Bill Lambeer to go up against. You know, I think Draymond Green. I can't stand like that he plays... For the Warriors, but if he happened to be on the Celtics, I'd be like, that would be my guy. I don't that like guy the, out hustles and outplays and bangs with dudes and gets in their ear and talks yeah. a little bit of shit. Yeah. I don't um, like the antics that he does afterwards, but I love the way he plays. He's a great player, but I mean, it seems like the NBA now is everybody has to call for the foul. As soon as you get touched, like you said, there's no physical play. It's, oh my gosh, why didn't you call that foul? Or, I didn't foul him. It's like every play... There's a conversation with the ref. There's never been, I see rarely the old hand in the air. Okay, I did it. And even then, it's an act. It's like, no shit, you just hacked that dude. <laughs> like, that was, but that's the play was to hack that dude. You know, right. like right. You, your defense got in the situation and you got to fucking hack the dude. Right. So right. go do it. Right. Right. I don't know. It's, oh, it's the money. Oh, it's this. No, it's, the TV, it's the limelight, it's the social media, it's the be a person. It's your chance to market yourself. Every play right. is a marketing, you know, right. position. Right. You know, you can come off as being the Marcus Smart, who's a comes off as a piece of shit. He's, I think he's still being judged for what it was three years ago when he was that scrappy fucking piece of shit. Now the dude's a legit leader and. Yeah, I, you know, I would say those guys, but he still falls in 
Grady won Defensive Player of the Year. It's kind of, you know, as much as I should on the NBA. They made, in now I'm biased a little bit, but they made the right decision Absolutely. to see a guy that just changed his game to find his zone, and they kind of looked at it as like he has changed as a as a person, or maybe he or his image has changed. Because three years ago, they weren't giving him that award. Fuck right. Him. You know, right, right. Well, I remember he. Uh, I still remember the play where he got in trouble from Oklahoma State for going into the stands when he was going after the fan. Like he, he has that reputation where you remember him from that. You know, I'm a 19 year old kid who's hopped up and just want to play, and all of a sudden somebody says something or pushed. Him. I can't remember what it was, and he went off. He got suspended. But um, it's funny you talk about Danny Ainge. So I got lucky enough. So three weeks ago, I got a quick Danny Ainge story. So. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I go out to Riverside Country Club in Utah, and my buddy's a member out there. Um, big, and it's in Provo, right there, BYU territory, right? Literally, the country club is like half a block or half a mile from, you know, the university, right? So you're like right there. And my buddy's wife is the um, cross-country coach and associate head coach for BYU track, and she's awesome. And so he... He got in at like $500, and now the membership's like fifty, sixty thousand. 60000 So he's like super like blue collar with all these just rich bastards. The, the uh, owner of the Jazz is a member and, and like, you know, all these big, you know, people. And it's all BYU alums. So we play in this like member guest, and it's like the, the, the I don't know, it was one of the member guests, but it's not the big one. And it's, it's Ryan Smith, the owner of the Jazz. Um, Taysom Hill was there and Danny Ainge. And so my buddy has talked to Ainge numerous times. Like, you know, he knows him. And like his buddy, one of his buddies is good friends with Danny. And so they play all the time. And so, you know, I'm not necessarily starstruck, but I obviously know who Danny Ainge is. And it's like, okay, cool. So he's, you know, we're all sitting there, whatever. And and Danny Ainge comes up to bullshit with him. And so I'm sitting there, right? And he's talking to Danny Ainge for like, I don't know, a good five minutes. And not one time did he used to go, hey, that's my buddy that I brought, you know, or anything, right? I'm just like a little puppy sitting there, like waiting for him to like, you know, I'm just, I, I felt like walking away at some point. So then we get done and I go, hey, asshole, like, are you going to introduce me like a normal person? Like, I don't need to like be his best friend, but like, I didn't care if it was Danny Ainge or Jonathan Smith. Like, what the fuck? Right, exactly. Like, I, he just He's said another hello, dude. Like, yeah. who the hell I am? He's another dude. And so dude. afterwards he... He said that I got all buttered. So then the next time he introduced me and, and I was able to talk to him for a minute. Um, but I tell you what, that guy's knees are gone. Like I could not, I, I mean, he walked like a broken, I, I don't know how you to describe it. I mean, the hobble one side, hobble the other side, you know, the whole way through. Wow. And it was just like, but he was, he was super cool, super, you know, super, um, you was know, he, approachable and everything was cool. And then and then we got to we didn't play in his flight, but we played in the Taysom Hill flight and we played Taysom Hill late. And again, same thing. Super nice guy, right? But he gets hit up with like, you know, pictures and, and you know, autographs and like, you know, ever this stuff all the time. So me and my buddy basically were like, I'm not gonna say anything to him. We're just gonna play golf against him. We we're playing with one of his his buddies that was like a plus four. And the guy's just striping it down the middle, putting it on the green. He's gotta look at Birdie every hole. And Taysom hits it deep, but he's... That's, that's what Casey's going to be when he plays against you. Oh, I'm sure. Probably plus five at that time. 
And so everybody else is just spraying, you know, he takes him spraying the ball. So I told my buddy, I'm like, all right, at the end, we're at the 11th hole, we're in the deep. We'll get a picture of me, you, and him at the end. I'm sure he won't mind. Super cool guy. And <laughs> at the last putt, I made a putt. I made like a 40-foot snake from off the green to beat him. I looked at my buddy. I was like, I don't think we're going to get that autograph. I don't think that's going to be a good idea or get that picture. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's going to happen anymore. And the plus four was just like, people have been doing this to us all day. But it was it was super cool to kind of get that experience of that different you know, group and, and that different life. But I mean, the one thing I couldn't believe I was giving my buddy so much shit, all these guys put their carts wherever they want on the green, on the tee. They can give a fuck. Like I kept looking at him going, what is wrong with you guys? Like they just drive up in the golf course. Superintendent and me is going, get the fuck off of that. You're four feet away from the freaking cart path. And my buddy's like, you're not, you know, you're not going to embarrass me in front of, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say anything, but I wanted to just pull them all by the neck and go, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, these guys just pull right up, like Mike, right up to the tee. Mike Bibby plays out at my place all the time. He, really? uh, he trains Keaton's, uh, Keaton, who is Martin's son. So the mm-hmm. grandson of the, of the owner. Mm-hmm. Um, so he trains him. And he plays out there all the time, and it's him and his cousins, and uh, they all get everyone gets a single car, drive wherever. Obviously, the GPS stops them, but still, it's like two of you in really busy season can't just jump into a cart together and then play no. with somebody else, you know. No. But whatever, that's hey, that's the thing, and you win some, you lose some, you know. You, that's the bot- I, that's the bartering system. Yeah, but I, I you know, I, I don't know. They just some of these guys are just you know kind of entitled. There was a there's a there's a oh, story. Absolutely. That, yeah, there's a guy. There was a guy, um, that was playing. I guess at, at my buddy's club, and he's always first one off. He's the guy that plays in two hours, runs in between holes, plays in two hours, does the whole thing. And I guess he was the first one off. He's always first on T-Sheet. Well, he didn't make it there on time for whatever reason. And so I think it was Finau, Ainge, and this associate AD at um, BYU were on the tee. And the dude's like five minutes late. So they're about to tee off. And this dude like just drives in front of them, doesn't say anything, tees off and starts going. And they're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why did this guy, who is this guy? So once he got in the fairway, I guess Finau and them were bombing shots all over him and just kept hitting. They kept re, re-teeing to try to hit him because I guess he's just one of those guys that everybody, you know, complains and whatever. But yeah, it was, uh, some of these guys just don't care. And I see it, you know, I, I see it with the with the men's group at that $45 golf course. They park on the freaking collar off to the left of the green and then come up to you after the round and go, Hey, why is that spot to the left of the green all messed up? Yeah, why is it? Muddy? I, I have no clue. I have no clue why it's all screwed up. Yeah, why is it muddy right here? It's the only yeah. area everybody fucking walks. Yeah, yeah, and what you know, you know, I don't know. It's just some of it is just. It, I think once I think we've said it on this pod, or you've said it before. Once they pay the money, they feel like the entitlement is that it's like we're here. We are. You know what I mean? Once we they, paid it. We're. We'll do whatever the fuck we want. Once they grab their clubs to load them in the trunk, that shit happened at their house. 
That shit happened at their house, and they were rolling down. And the night before, they went to possibly Simple Machine Brewery and got uh, Day Crushers Blondale. That's what I'm rocking right now. Um, we meant to do this as the top five beers as the hundredth episode, and we didn't even review this. This is up there as far as my top five that that I've ever had on the podcast. Um, cool can right down the road. I remember doing the first review here, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Day Crashes Blondale. This thing's really good. Let's see where it's from." And I was like, "Seven oh five West Seventh Street." And I was like, "This is like four <laughs> miles from my house or less." It's like, "Are you kidding me?" Had no idea. So, wanted to give them a shout out. And we're gonna get their beers at the golf course this week. Well, we gotta give we gotta give Dan a real help because I'm get drinking in in lieu of Dan not being here. I'm drinking his favorite beer on purpose, yeah. which is my go to as it just goes every day. Basically, good old Colorado water, Coors Light. Which is what is the alcohol level on this? Is it even four? <laughs> I would say four five four two. Yeah, I was gonna say it doesn't say it doesn't so say. Oh, wait. Yes, it does. You were close. 4.2. Yeah. So. You can crush those things all day, though. It's, it's, in a it's bottle. I, and I'm I'll a can feel. guy, though. You have that I, thing in the bottle, and yucky. Well, you said that your favorite was Coors Light on ice in a styrofoam in a cup. In a styrofoam right? cup. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> That is the best. That's Michelob Light, too. Remember when you could have Michelob Lights before Michelob Ultras? And that little weird fucking vase bottle? And Michelob. I remember that, that now that you say that. It looked like a... That's right. Like it, a it lava like, lamp. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I want to find? And burn heaters, burn heaters and drink Mick Lights all night when long. I was, when I was a kid, I was infatuated with it. Not that it like was a good beer, but... Um, Lowenbrow. It just yeah, looks cool. little fucking lion. Yeah, the thing. little lion. Like I just, I you know, never seen it anymore. And uh, my so, parents and and my and my uh, uncle, they used to drink Olympia all the time. And we'll drink Olympia, which is the Washington. It's got to be in the water beer. And every once in a while, I'll find it at some you know weird store and just give it back to them for nostalgia. And they all just laugh. And they all drink it and go, what the heck was wrong with us? We liked this? Like, yeah. what? This is what we trash. want to drink? What is wrong with us? I don't know, man. Sometimes it uh, comes back around because Dan brought the Carlsberg. And I remember drinking that at Anfield and being like, I'm drinking these because that's what's on the shirt at the time. Is Carlsberg right. sponsored Liverpool at the time. It's like, we're drinking these. And I remember drinking in the little concession area and i was like this is the fucking worst beer in the world and when dan brought it on here i thought it was very good thought it was really good actually so maybe they had a junk load maybe they just sell the trashy ones that go old back (laughs) back at the place you know you're gonna sell them well i think like you said too on the pod it's it's also a little bit of change in scenery too right like you drink ipas over and over and over and over and over and you're trying to find the best IPA, and it all kind of gets meddled into the same type of beer after a while. You got to change up, you know, what you're drinking. Yeah. I know, you know, I try to do that when I go out. And, you know, is it a pilsner? Is it a lager? Is it an IPA? Is it a, 
you know, stout. Try to do something different. Yeah, haze is a haze at this point. People, everybody is on this hazy kick. And I think hazies are hazies. They could be mm-hmm. real bitter ones at 80 IBUs or down to a juicy little hazy at fucking 35, 40 IBUs. And it's like still dirty dish water that tastes good. But it's well, it's a it's well, it's like a you know I don't know. Well, look so at, it's look a figu- what... it's a figure skater from Ghana. They they made it to the show, but that's not their sport. You know, it's really you know, you know what I'm the, saying. It's, it's the... still good though. Like oh, holy shit, I, I... someone that doesn't even have ice rinks in their area right. just made it as a figure skater. That's that's that yeah, kind it was, of yeah. What was it when I was ski racing really big? There was a kid that was on my team that Which I was amazes able to beat, me that you were a ski wait, racer. But he, but he, he, I would beat him. He was in the Olympics for Australia, and it was like a show up. Like you know what I mean? Like he didn't, he didn't. You know, he's on the docket, but he wasn't on TV. He was No one ever saw it. Right? It only got yeah. rent, you know, filmed in this country. And he's still a why, sick. Skier. Why does it amaze you that I'm a ski racer? Because of my beautiful figure. <laughs> I mean, what what is it like? There was a time no, where it was a little. That's slow. the only reason. That's legitimately <laughs> the only reason. Everything about you looks ski racer, the beard, <laughs> the the mountain looking head, the the cabezas like a fucking helmet. <laughs> I, but yeah, you're you're a big dude to be a ski racer. It's it was and what's even funny before about that, it, even if you were lanky, I would say that you're six feet six yeah one. yeah six six foot even so know. but believe it or not these guys they you know one of my best disciplines was actually slalom which was shorter term because if you get me on a flat course i carry so much weight and so much momentum if i can make it quick it was all right one of the worst ones was for me was downhill was the speed events and the real reason for it i've probably never said this to anybody is that I was scared to death when you're going 75 miles an hour into a 45 degree turn, you know, my nuts were in my neck as you're going around that turn, you know, and you're in this lycra suit with a, with a brain bucket on and you're just hoping you don't go into the fencing and run into the freaking trees. Yeah. I would call that my, I would say I would be a pussy for that. But what you showed me, you skied when we went over that little lake thing, I, you were like, Hey, yeah, we would just hike up the side of this and ski down it. And I was like, really? You know, and then two seconds later, we saw that dude walking up the hill. And yep. I was like, all right, that's for real. But that's That was impressive. Well, they they uh, that was a fun time, again, back when you were in high school and it was just kind of one of those things. But there's a couple, there's actually a, um, a superintendent in the area that he pretty much backcountries a lot. And that's like his thing is just going out and finding this or that and hiking he's got you know he's got a couple passes locally and whatever but he loves um backcountry and doing the hike stuff i mean we used to do it with our kids all the time and um when we hike it and ski out yeah just ski out if you know the area where you're at it's fine i mean you're not going to go into a closed area and just be like oh here we go you know let's go see if the avalanche will show today you know but if you know where you're going i mean for the most part you kind of knew the area and you've been doing it a couple, two, three times. I'm sure it's just like you with, with mountain biking, right? You go, you know the trail and you know the spinoff of the trail, or you know the hey over here is going to loop back around. Right. Same thing. It's just not you know patrolled. 
And then most of it, though, was patrolled. I mean, everybody would say, yeah, it's not patrolled. But if you had a, I mean, not back then we didn't have phones, but, you know, you'd find someone and said, hey, we lost Johnny over here on such and such. Somebody knew where to go, right. how to find, you know, figure it out. I mean, there's only so, as you saw in that area, it's only so much until you get to the bottom of the lake. Right. right. And mean, then probably word traveled get- that, hey, right now is a good time to go on the hill. Like the temperature's right, everything's packed. Right. You know, it's good. Or, hey, don't go. It's super sketchy. It traveled around town just from word of mouth. Right. Exactly. And we used to have this thing called, um, at one of the resorts I was at, it was actually called the PR run, which was patrolled run. So even though it was outside of the boundary, it was patrolled and you would sign out. So you'd go up to the top of the lift, go to the ski patrol shack and say, hey, hi, Johnny, I'm going on PR run. And you'd go out of bounds and ski down for you know, 15, 20 turns and then traverse over and then hike back in. And it was great, but you would sign out. It was awesome. And then people knew, hey, Mark hasn't signed back in in four hours. Maybe, you know, can somebody go down there and make sure he's not, you know, head up in a tree well real quick and, you know, can't breathe and his fat ass can't get out of the trees and get out. But we would do that all the time with our kids, you know, eight, nine, ten-year-old kids when we were coaching. It was a blast. Some of the, the best part about those days where the kids were like, I told you about me being on the turn, being scared. These kids had some of the biggest balls um, you'd ever seen. You, you, sorry, I, I got a call. But these kids would have some of the biggest balls ever. I remember one time we built this kicker off a corner. And it was all powdered in. So it was just like, you know, no big deal. Kids would be fine. I had a coach at the top. I had a coach be at the bottom. And we would, you know, we'd you know, flag them. All right, you go. All right, Johnny, you're next. Okay. And so I remember... One kid just sent it completely yard sale. He's completely happy, right? He's not hurt. He's just loving life. Like, everything's good. And he's picking up all his gear. And guy turns around to give him the X to say, don't go. And this kid thought he said go. And that kid launched it over that kid's head. And we're, oh. up, you know, as coaches, we've got these, you know, rich parents' kids. Just oh, for sure. Watching them. Oh, I was scared to death so many times of watching kids just get a ski to the back of the head or, you know, whatever. And just, you know, the amount of trust that these parents have with these, you know, coaches that, you know, half the coaches I were with were, you know, high and drunk half the time as they're getting with their kids is, is unbelievable. I mean, just here you go. Mom and dad don't want to deal with you anymore. That's we're all right. If those go. kids are in that class, they're going to be high and drunk too. So <laughs> who gives a shit? You know? As long as they're having a good time and they're good people, who gives a shit? Yeah, but and it's weird too because now I, I got I don't know if I did it for too long, but I have no desire to do it anymore. It's just it's so wild. I don't even want to. Not to coach or ski in general. Not to ski at all. Really? I don't know if it just burned me out. If it's just I'm too into golf now with my kids being into golf or what. But they got done with skiing, and I said, "All right, we're we're done. We just you don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. We're good." You know, but it's, um, I mean, when you, you know, when you're doing it at that level for so long and you're going every day, you know, it was a job, you know what I mean? You were just training like a job and it just, it burned me out, you know, it took a while, but it burned me out. And do you tell your kids that or do they, did you not really get into it and let them feel out skiing before you ever had to have that conversation? So they got to go. So the whole reason. And I coach so they can ski for free. So we can't, we're not, we can't afford to be ski kids, right? I mean, it's, you know, to have a pass before you get any lunches or travel, you know, it's $5,000 to be, you know, for a season, right? For every weekend and training and all the gates and all that. So it's just like, 
So I told my kids, I'm like, if you guys want to ski, well, this is how we're going to do it. And I'll coach, and that way you can ski for free. And then my boy, you know, he got dabbled in it a little bit and got semi-good. I would say, you know, I, the best way to put it would be good in high school, bad in college, right? Or mid-level in college kind of ability. And he got to a point where he was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then my daughter, she enjoyed skiing tremendously. But, you know, when you're in that program, you've got to, you know, kind of be there all the time, be with the coach and stuff. And she just kind of got to a point where she just wanted to go ski with her grandpa. And she just wanted to go ski. Well, it's just not affordable for people outside of it, if you're not coaching or whatever, to pay that money to just go ski. So um, it's just one of those things where they kind of burned themselves out. And I kind of, you know, went with it. And it went from, shoot, every weekend to... Now I got weekends off, you know, and then you get to play golf because they're enjoying golf. Yeah, my boy, for sure. My actually both of my kids are now official greenskeepers. Nice. Um, I've got I've got one 15 year old and a 13 year old divot girl who I do not know how she is making, making money, but she is getting a check from Troon as a 13 year old employee. So don't, uh, if there's any truant on here, I have no clue how, but we'll keep cashing the checks. So I don't know what the rule is, but she's 13 years old. Showing up at 530, slinging things. Hey, we'll take all the ones that want to show up at this point. That was what I had the conversation with the superintendent today about that. And he said, I don't care how long they stay. I don't care how long they, they stay for. I just want them to show up on time. They show up on time. They get an A with me. And they, yeah. they've got, like, totally different spectrums. They've got the 70-year-old retired and the 18- to 15-year-old kids. But I will say that the 15- to 18-year-old kids need to stop cutting cuts because they're getting a little too aggressive with, like, three feet off the edge and the windmill and stuff, you know, with the clown's mouth. They're getting a little crazy. So um, it's it's been nuts lately. One of mine that cuts cups... Um... He, I think he understands that, but he does not play the game. But he understands where you can stick a real shitty pin. So you're just like, hey, do your thing. And he's like, all right. You know, he gets a little bit like, give him that trust to, hey, go out there and stick them real tough today. We got to, like when the hack attack was there, stick them all tough. Uh, and he gets kind of proud about it. You know, even though he has, he doesn't play the game, he doesn't understand what he's doing he just knows that over here is hard because we tell him you can't stick it there on a saturday mid-season when we're getting 250 bucks and the place has 250 golfers like you can't stick these pins like that shit's gonna move son shit's gonna move fuck i uh i played um great um i played grizzly ranch yesterday um, practice round uh, no i well you gotta remember i'm a i'm a member i go out there all the time um uh, <laughs> but we play my buddy buddy of mine um had a foursome one of his foursomes one of his guys kicked out so i went and played there were some serious sunday pins on saturday and i texted the superintendent went, you've got to check your boy like there's too many tucked behind bunkers and on the top of ridges and you'll you'll see it when we play this year, but there's a there eighteen probably one of the more picturesque holes that I've ever played. But the the way the green is set, it looks like the pin is in the water from the from the fairway. 
and he did that on Saturday, you know, and it's just like, okay, everybody's going to be in the water. Everybody's going to be looking for the ball. Yeah. It's going to back up. Like, you cannot. But at least it's that 17. It's tough when you play Desert Canyon, hole number three is in the front on the edge, and people are just putting off the green. It's Now you're on hole three. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it just, it just the Saturday pins didn't go, and they do a really good job of like moving the T markers up. So they'll, they'll move some of the you know one up from the backs to like more of the two up T box just to keep that play moving. Yep. But then the flag in the you know duck behind the bunker on a two hundred yard par three is like okay, that's not really gonna, you know, not gonna really work. But I texted him. And he was like, yeah, what do you want me to do? Just, you know, yeah. I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah. Like, It's exactly right. And that comes back to the guy that's doing it doesn't play golf. He doesn't. All his job is to cut holes. And he did that right. So fuck it. Well, if you're going to bitch about funny. that kind of thing. It's funny play. you said that. Spencer gave me a great story this weekend that I thought it would be good to share. Is, uh, he just started the new gig at, at Incline, and he's been there. I mean, can't be there more than a month, month and a half, two months. And he's cut the cups on the putting green the last, like, three times. And so it's his weekend is, or Friday or before weekend or whatever, and he looked up at the, one of the guys that's been cutting cups for 25 years and says, hey, get the putting green cups on the way in. And he goes, I don't know how to do that. And he cuts cups on the golf course. Like, cut cups on the championship. And he goes, I don't know how to cut cups on the putting green. And he's like, Okay, and like so, then he goes to the next guy, the other cup cutter, and he goes, "Hey, would you mind? You know, this guy doesn't know how to cut cups on the putting green." He goes, "I don't know how to cut cups on the putting green." It's like you've been here fifteen years and you've been here twenty five years. Who's cutting cups on the putting green? Is it a superintendent? Like what? What is going on? So he had to have a training session with his guys to say, "Okay, it's just like cutting the cups on the eighteen, but smaller." And you know, like it's just, it's just they, you know, like you said, they just know how to cut holes, so it's. I only cut holes over here. I don't cut holes over here, right? I've never cut holes over here. And it's the same thing. So it's, it was just pretty funny to have that conversation with him today. He's like, you'll, you'll never believe this. They don't know how to cut putting green cups. I'm like, huh? They cut cups, but they can't cut putting green? Oh, okay, sure. Jesus. So, They'll come how's up your with staff? Anything. Uh, staff is okay. It's... um. The same group, I picked up another full-time guy. Um, allegedly have a part-time guy coming at some point. I don't know how that's going to work out. Um, losing another one. I think we're okay, but it's that ebb and flow of you win some, you lose some. But the core is still there. You know, the core hasn't changed. And that's that's what I need. And you hope you grab one or two Z here and there. So I'm gaining one, the losing bottom, one. The, the bottom ring kind of just yep. rotates, right? Yep. You keep the top, and then maybe the middle finds another course, comes back, or what have you. You find another guy that's a middle, but that bottom three guys just, they rotate. Yeah. And um, we put an ad out on Indeed and have gotten shit as far as responses. As far as, like, like guys that I'm like, okay, I'm calling you. The other one, there's a handful of them, four of them, I bet I looked at. And I just looked at their like past work experience, and it was like, nah, that's just, 
no, too many places or you haven't worked since 2007. Like you don't have anything on your resume since 2007. Like, like I'm, I don't even know. Like this is how I look at that. I would just fill that in and let them call and call me out on, dude, you never worked at Circle K from 2015 to 2019. (laughs) You are not a manager. But you know what? At my level, I'm not fucking calling any of them, but I'm looking right at, do you have any experience of working wherever? You see the dingo? I do. Mine are... Hi, Frankie. Frankie says, says, I want to be on a podcast. (laughs) Says I am on the podcast all the time. She is. Um, Did you... uh, Hi, Mark. Did you watch any of the women's open? No, I didn't at Pine Needles. Yeah. No, I didn't catch much golf this weekend at all. I'd love to take the jingweeds out to that area though. North Carolina, South Carolina, oh, Pinehurst yeah. and Yeah. Right, that's what 20 miles away? Less? Yeah, it's it's beautiful out there for sure. And uh no, it was cool to see the whole women in turf back at it, you know what I mean? Yep. And that whole Twitter feed and, you know, the Kimberly guards and all them out there, you know, plugging away. It was really neat to see again. Yeah. And they, yeah, taking pride in that shit and coming in numbers, which is mm-hmm. really good to see. Um, me and Andrew are taking, are going down to the FFA, uh, I guess, conference assembly, whatever it is down at uh, U of A on Thursday to try and, Put Cactus and Pine's name now in the FFA. Okay. Um, whatever their biggest yearly seminar is. And uh, apparently like 900 people we get to stand in front of for the first time. And Andrew's really? got, yeah, we got to do a little presentation too. We got 40 minutes. Oh, man. So there's, hopefully we get a little bit there. But my point of the, to jump on the women in turf, uh, Bree, I believe, is coming with us. Awesome. And then uh, I hope another woman that works in the industry, I don't want to give out the name and everything until I know for sure that she's coming. But uh, another one coming up the ranks is coming down with us to represent the industry down at the FFA. So be- That's awesome. And Andrew was the president at one point. Purple jacket and all, representative really? of New York. Yeah. He was like wow. 17 or 18 years old. He was the president of <laughs> FFA. Are you, you PowerPoint on, on lockdown? It's all on point, ready to go? Uh, Andrew has a PowerPoint ready to go. And then we How have about a, you? Have you actually looked at it yet or, or, or read through it? Or are you going to be that guy? That no, no. Andrew's yeah. going to do basically the presentation. Oh, okay. But we're okay. going to you know, we're gonna have the table at the conference. And then right. we have a room kind of like the GIS where you can pick what education seminars you want to go to. So right. of these 900 fucking people... We'll probably get fifty. You hope that are in the room that are interested in. Oh, let's right. see what this is. You know, and you right. give a forty-minute presentation. Right. But it's trying to reach out to other avenues. You know, to see. I mean, fuck. Anybody that comes into my place and it's like, yeah, I grew up a farmer. You're like, yep. Yes, I will take you. You grew up yep. knowing what just random work was like. You know, it's never yep. the same, but it's kind of the same. But be ready. 
You know, every day is a little bit different. The good days are the days that it's just work. Mm-hmm. The shitty days are the days like, ah, fucks. When it's full <laughs> of ah, fucks, it's a shitty day. When it's just not general <laughs> work, it's a good day. There's not too many of it. It's just really, I mean, what I've learned about it, especially being out of it, is it's just people. If you can manage the people and, the and the, you know, getting through it, I mean, it, the day pretty much goes as it's going to go. I mean, yeah, you get the occasional, this doesn't start or this broke or this guy didn't show up or whatever, but, you know, 90% of it is just, like you said, another day, business as usual, crew's good, we're cruising through, these are getting done, this maybe doesn't look as good as it did last year, but we're getting there and we're moving here and whatever. I mean, it's just another day. You pick and choose your battles. Mm-hmm. You know, greens, tees, fairways, and other stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you get that done, that's a golf course. You know how? Um, how would you say you transitioned from rye being lighter this year? Um, I think I'm a little bit. I'm good on the Bermuda grass. Uh, I can't say. I would say that there are areas that definitely got stronger because they get the more water. You know, so they're still sticking around. I don't think it's a big difference. Let's let's just okay. get to that point, right? Okay. Um, maybe have a little water issue coming. Uh, one of the wells, the newest well, decided that it wanted to fault, and we have to pull that motor. So now we're back to another well issue. Uh, we got to pull that motor. Hopefully, it is something with the motor or maybe a bad splice that caused this fault. Otherwise. Things typically are leading towards wells running out of water. Are you are you at your max depth for that well too? I mean, yeah, I know both I mean, of them are. Yeah, you're you're done. You can't go any further. Right. And to redig a well in the same spot just to go deeper is, they say, just go dig a new well. You know what I mean? If this one's still working, you can still keep that thing up. I mean, now you're starting. To, I mean, yeah, it might be a couple, two, three hundred thousand dollars. But when you're at eight, what's a million? You know, if it's one, yeah. if it's one to five, I get it. You know, hundred thousand. But it's you. You still have to build basically a new well. You've got to re-sleeve it even further. And really, is right. depth? Depth's not the issue. Right. Is is the water available? Right. And I think it's running out. I think... I don't know how you guys are doing. I think we're way, way more fucked water-wise than anybody even wants to even think to believe. Um, I think there's some truth to that, for sure. Lake Mead is below... What they all their analytics, all their testing, all their watching for how many every years? What the forties that that thing was built? My wife's grandfather was one of the head engineers on it. So, whatever, forty something, right? Forty eight. Anywho's, um, it's at the lowest point that it's ever been. They're not sure what to do when it reaches any lower. Because they've never ever thought that it was going to reach there, and their projection was it was going to be 1,050 feet January 2023. It's at like 1,047 now. 
And when it goes, I think the highest it's ever been is roughly just under 1,300 feet. So it's down 300 feet. Yeah, since the 50s, okay? Or the 80s is when it was at its highest. Because this Arizona was apparently from like 82 to like 87 in somewhere in those years. Arizona was like an oasis of we just had tons of rain and you know mill avenue you know where tempe town lake is right when that was just a river it took out mill avenue bridge because of the flooding because there was that much water and it happened for like five to six years in a row and uh we're now a year we're gonna go into our third la nina year which hasn't happened for like 70 years to have three of those in a row which means we'll get monsoon again, which won't be what we just had at all, but we'll hopefully get some rain. In order to fill up Lake Mead, Lake Powell, we need 10 years straight of what we had last year. 10 years. That's crazy. We're like real fucked. Um, And golf has the target on the back for right. we waste all the water right. um over i heard this stat the other day over 50 percent of the water used of what we have for the maricopa county area is used outside of homes by homeowners not even to shit shower and shave really to water your shit rinse your car waste it whatever you're doing in your fucking mountain laurels that you brought from fucking new hampshire out here and thought that would be a cool idea to grow but they need so much fucking goddamn water mm-hmm. and then the breaks that people just let happen but it's the hoas like they're connected to homes and their water over 50 percent of the water use in the maricopa area is up excuse me these the shot. This is the second beer. The Which shot, one's that one? It's uh, we had this on uh, earlier in the podcast. This is way up there. A blonde lager. It's from the shop beer company out here in Arizona. It's called the Crispy. These things, as icy as icy cold as you can get, are there's no other name. When you drink this, you hey, name that beer, Crispy. <laughs> well, you fucking, sent me a picture, Crispy. You sent me a picture yesterday of the Montucky. Mm-hmm. But I don't know where you found that at. Um, we were up, me and Leo were up in uh, Cave Creek um, at some little coffee shop and uh, music bar. So we were up there and they had them. But, uh, you know, interesting thing. So Frankie got rattlesnake trained, right? Right. And uh, the other day with the well issue that I was having, I was going back and forth to the well a lot. And went there on Monday, didn't, you know, problems. Went there Tuesday, and I was like, oh, shit, look at this rattlesnake skin. Giant fresh one. Perfectly. And there's a a palm frond that we wheel up there. She jumps out of the car, grabs that palm frond every fucking time we're there. And just starts shaking and whatever. And I see this uh, rattlesnake skin. So she's playing with the palm frond. I scoop the rattlesnake skin. I throw it out kind of towards where she's playing with the palm frond. Hey, Frankie, come here and check this thing out. 
She goes walking right up to it. I have the, she's got her shot collar on, but she sticks her nose on it and I just go, leave it. And she, <laughs> she's right next to me and she just <laughs> gave me the look like, what do you mean? I'm not doing anything. And she, tail between her legs, because she took a sniff of the skin, tail between her legs, ran, jumped, and jumped in the cart and was like, nope. So where I sent them on Tucky's, it's an outdoor, like, music venue kind of thing, but there's rock croppings, and there's holes all around it, like whatever lives there. Right. She would not go past that rock cropping. And, I, and Leo was like, you think there's snakes that are in here? I was like, well, there's a lot of holes from other shit. Right. They're not there right now, but maybe their smell is here. She's trained to not like the smell. She would not go near this giant rock cropping. So hopefully, hopefully it all worked. But I mean, the skin was a, she knew exactly that was no bueno. And oh, yeah. Didn't want to be anywhere near it. So, so I, that, that I know where the brains worked. are in the family. Yeah, well, the training worked. So she knew exactly where to go right off the gate. Yeah, for sure. Well, um. What's the uh, what's the water situation where you're up in that area? You guys deal obviously with the snowpack, which yeah, I've so understood that you know we've had um, not really that good a snowpack at all. But w- when we do right now, the top layer is so dry that everything just shears off and doesn't get sucked into the aquifers to get into rivers and all that shit. So we're real fucked and we need your snow to help us when i was there there was a lot of fucking snow yeah i i mean we were it was like i said we had two big events where it was like or two or three like dumps and then stop and dump and then stop and and it was like we're at 190 percent of level normal now we're at 80 now we're at 140 now we're at 70 now we're at 110 and we finished the year, I think, just a little below normal, 15%, I think, like 85%, which is, you know, honestly, we feel like that's decent. Um, and I think with us ramping up in temperature, I think that's a big plus, too, to where we didn't just instantly get hot and people are just moving the needle of water right from the get-go. We've kind of gradually, and I mean, honestly, having the temperature be the where it is today and the little bit of rain was kind of like a little shocking like i said earlier so i i think we'll be okay this year but yeah we're, we're just dependent directly on the snow really pretty much i mean the, anything that's on a well it's drawn back into there we've got a lot of courses on affluent we've obviously been building like crazy so the affluent is there um you know it's it's readily ready to be used so how's the uh, qu- how's the quality of that coming out it's hit or miss some are some are really good some are not um but what's awesome here lately i've got a course that is actually getting to negotiate the opposite way you know back in the day you would be like oh we have to get this water right or we're getting this water and it's going to cost us however much well now there's two outlets there's the county and the city that both are using this reclaimed water and they're fighting for getting rid of it so now the golf course is actually at a advantage with negotiations on price, quantity, and quality. Um, there's two golf courses right now that are going to get put onto this um, newer, you know, uh, 
uh, affluent, and they're they're literally saying, "Do we take Washoe County or do we take City Arena?" And it's kind of it's kind of nice because they have to dump it. I mean, what's really sad is that they will dump it. I mean, it end of the year, it's see ya. It's getting put into the Truckee River Lake. I mean, you name it, it's gone. It just gets disposed. So if you don't use it, you lose it to that extent. The course, the forty-five dollar course I talked about in Carson, he has, um, I can't remember the number, but it's it's a large number of acre feet that he's allotted, and he has to use it. So there's a area that has been abandoned. It's like old nine holes. It's like four or five holes. He will run water to run it because he has to run it because the prison is literally, you know, like two miles down the road. He's the first direct feed from the prison, and he has to run so much. And so their affluent will literally, he'll, you'll see heads in the middle of the nowhere where he's running water just to get rid of it for the city, for the county, for the prison. That's how and so, and, and so here you are saying we can't find water, and here we are wasting water. To the extent, right? I mean, to an, you know, I mean, it's different, right? Fluent, but you know, here we are, you know, doing that. But anybody that's on wells, hit or miss. I've seen aquifers around here been been hit or miss. Um, but anybody that's on a fluent's been pretty good. And then obviously, you get a lot of snowpack from from Truckee and then rings into lakes or natural spots. No, but that's uh, that's interesting how you guys look at it as far as how we look at it and. I mean, around the country, it's the same way. There are areas in the Midwest, you know, that just get fucking annihilated by weather all the time. And here, I don't know. It's going to be so fucking interesting. The water issue is going to be... I think it's so it's so much worse here than anybody even wants to think about. Yeah, I, I, I mean, have you started to dabble? I mean, I'm sure you have, but, um, you know, have you dabbled with the wedding agent stuff on, on fairways or in a more oh, wide? Yeah, yeah it's been, I pump, you know, fertigate it and just mm-hmm. keep it kind of pumping out there, acids, things like that, you know, anything, the top dressing program, you know, you try to do everything you can and then just continuously dial down what is super green or super playable you know we just i personally just i just continue to keep pushing for the super playable the green will be there just let it be playable and you'll kind of look past that super neon green over healthy turf that's where i'm heading but how much longer can you keep doing that? You know, what's that yeah, threshold? I, yeah, I um, I have a course in the Bay Area, just outside of the Bay Area in Middletown, which is right outside of Calistoga. It's a new core Crenshaw design. They ended up going Zoysia, um, Greens, and Fairways, and their mantra, their idea is a baked-out golf course. They actually want it to be baked out. That is the... That is the theme. That is the, you know, mission statement. There will not be green and, you know, the old Sean Emerson green is good. That will not be there. Greens will be what they are, but they want burnt up spots. They want it to look, you know, old back in the summer, right? Like it, they want it to look that look. And so they're, they've actually, they haven't opened yet. They're just now. They're hoping to open next fall. They're going through the sprigging process right now. But, I mean, they, 
they don't care. They're doing the, they're going that route. They are. I think I think the game's going to be forced to do it. I don't know how many years. I could see it taking close to ten to become a legit. This is how it is, and I'm just talking this region where it's maybe we don't overseed. Maybe it's golf courses start transit, you know, changing out their turfs to things that are, you know, the zoysias or some ride that line and keep it rye all year round if they're up in North Scottsdale. But something's got to change. Um, but if somebody just says. And I mean, somebody, be, whether it be our industry or whether it be governmental, is, nope, you're done or receding. That's just how golf will be out here. It's going to take a little bit. But I still think golf is golf, and people will pay money to tee it up and put a ball in a cup at the end of the, fe- you know, at the end of the field just to hang out and play the game. So I don't think we're going to, it's not going to die to die, you know, the game. It's just going to move on to, this is now the way it is. You know, the areas like here and being Arizona, it's, you're not going there every year to see these emerald green. You're just going to now see really good hard golf courses. Imagine all those things up in true, up in the North Scottsdale area, not overseeded in the wintertime. Any one of those Nick Highlands, you know, Desert Mountain. How do you hold the ball on that fairway, like, or in the turf right. to hold another game? Yeah, I, and I mean, <clears throat> you know, we talk about the about the money situation too. You know, about like where's the money coming from? Where's this money at? I mean, I heard a rumor um, that I got confirmed um, with a guy who's a rep for me in Arizona and here in, in, in Reno too, that Desert Mountain's pulling out all their uh, renegades, pulling away all their bent grass. They're going back to Bermuda. They're pulling it all out. So they did that huge renovation three years ago, spent millions of dollars, and the members supposedly went out there and went, yeah, we don't like it. We want to go back. And I'm, there's probably more to that story than just that, but, I mean, you spend all that money and just going to flip a switch and change it back over. And, you know, it's back to that. Where's this? I mean, I know they've got money, but it's, I mean, you know, that's, it's kind of crazy to me that you've spent that much money to just go, yeah, it didn't work. I guess we're going to go back to this. And that's how are we going to do it? Interesting. I haven't heard anything about that, but hey, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I would agree with what you just said. If that's the case, very interesting. Yeah, and and I, you know, again, it's it's, you know, where do these guys like, um, uh, you know, some of your courses down there that are just, you know, the average Joe Blow, you know, thing we talk about the water. I mean, you know, some of these courses will close if they don't have water. You know what I mean? It's just that's just going to be the way it is. They can't afford to be spraying wetting agent and doing all that stuff. They just, you know, they don't have the manpower nor the deal, and so that. Uh, I, you know, up here. It that's what like I'm that. saying is I don't think they're going to close. I think that's where the game Just or the the, golf is go. the idea changes that you're going to roll up here and it's all going to be emerald green. It's going to take. That's what I'm asking. Is does it take five years where we all buy in, or is it like 
so long as 10 years because there'll be so many places that are, oh, if we just spend the extra money, we can charge extra money, you know, to get it green. I don't know. I just wonder when it's going to end. Well, we've been, but we've been saying this for a while about everything, right? Like the housing bubble kept going up. Every fuel keeps going up. When's it going to end? When's it going to, I mean, we all speculate, but it hasn't stopped yet. And will it stop? I'm sure it will. But will it stop to an abrupt like it did before? Or will it be a gradual stop? Will it be a slowdown? Will we see a decline and then a, a flatten out? Or is it just going to, you know, just completely drop? What, what is it? What, what will it really be? We don't, no one really knows. We all speculate. We all sit around here and go, yeah, we think it'll be this. Yeah, we think it'll be that. But, it's fun to think. It's fun to think about how it's going to all go out. It's fun to put dollar bets on it. I got a dollar that says it all goes to shit. And by the end of, like, next October, we're going to be wondering where the fuck seed is, water is, people are, their money is. I think it's fucked. But whatever. We keep grinding on with that. Mark Stutzman, I want to thank you for fucking filling me in. Oh, no. Give me a little fucking chit chat going. Episode 101 of From the Jingweeds. Thanks for hanging out with me, buddy. Thanks for enjoying a couple crispies of Coors Light and a simple machine day crusher. Later. Stay pissed, everybody. See you guys. Love Dan's mom and dad. Let's go.